I vote that the Lilith Hobo music is our new theme song. <laughs> oh, so Phil, you did notice I slipped in. That brought me so much joy hearing that song again. <laughs> this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. listeners it's indie comic book noise yay i'm not sure what episode this is because kevin has promised to drop a few a-team episodes after our last break so but we're here to do our sort of final 2022 show and as a special treat you have all four regular hosts don't everybody (laughs) applaud all at once all four regular hosts you say who could that possibly mean well, oh, obviously. I thought you were dro- dropping the the music button from your soundboard into that. Yeah, no electricity sound this time or whatever you do. <laughs> hey, someone loved that lightning. <laughs> or maybe it was thunder. I don't know. All four hosts means me, Andrew the LA Rabbit, dialing in from Los Angeles. And rare treat for extra good listeners of Indie Comic Noise from the bunker. Super Steve himself. Hey, Super Steve. Hello. I had to come on and make sure you weren't experiencing any aftershocks there from the uh, big earthquake the other day. Oh, stealing my bit. Oh, oh, really? I'm still doing it. All right. How about war with the Wendigo, Steve? (laughs) Usually I've revealed that that's why you're not able to make it off and you're busy fighting wintry beasts. Absolutely. Wendigo. And from north of the Arctic Circle, from the icebox, it's WRX Kev. Say hi, Kev. Uh, Aftershock, the year of paying dangerously with those heavy metal checks. <laughs> and lastly, providing official recognition of the podcast from the nation's capital. It's Phil the Ottawa Otter. Say hi, Phil. Kevin, did you uncancel me yet? Uh, No. Indie Comic Book Noise, part of the Deliberate Noise Network. Check it out. It's a collection of pretty awesome podcasts, including sister show Marvel Noise, hosted by our own Super Steve. Hey, that's me. They just celebrated a big milestone episode that featured hours and hours of content. (laughs) They did, and it did. (laughs) We're glad Super Steve survived editing that thing and putting it up, but... Check it out on the reg for all your Disney content needs. <laughs> this show, on the other hand, has some saucy content, possibly, as you heard from the warning at the beginning. But as I always disclaim, we never say anything controversial. Ever. <laughs> this being an end of the year episode, uh, we're not doing, I didn't have to bring a list, did I? I'm not going to oh, do a list. I made a list yes, just in case. You oh. planned this for weeks. You have, don't have a list? <laughs> yes. What's the list for? Indie noise. Known for our rigorous scheduling. And, yeah, and, and our hard work we do preparing for the podcast. Structure. <laughs> but anyways, we are we have no sponsors on this show. But we do appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Let's go go to our website for show yeah, notes. Come on, Flashlight. Sponsor us. I'll throw you a buck, Andrew. IndieComicBookNoise.com. Sometimes we link to things. You know, a lot of the manga that Phil and Kevin like, they put some of those chapters for free on the internet. So without even, like, stealing it. Legit, the publishers put them for free on the internet. So I try and put links when I can. I've read a manga. I've heard heard so much about Shonen Jump and everything lately. And and all all the manga talk talk i'm just like it seems very marvel dc to just be talking about the the most popular boys no because indie comics cover foreign comics that's just how it is for now because 
Until there's a whole show on it, on the Noise Network, we're covering it. That has to be. Besides, Phil always brings up Seven Seas, which has the jankiest website I mean, that always threatens it, to destroy my computer when I accidentally get too close to is it. Is it bad, Jeff? Yeah. It, you know, I it clicked up on warnings. your show notes <laughs> to, to check Seven Seas, and I was fine. <laughs> I I even read a manga the other day, but uh, and it was really well drawn and everything, but it was it was mm-hmm. a saucy one, Phil. Well, that's the perverts. That's we talked about that on the other show. The art was great, though. <laughs> yep. But they're weird. So uh, check those show notes out. We're just a free-flowing, open discussion of whatever we're interested in. Sometimes we talk about news, sometimes reviews, sometimes, in this instance, maybe some year-end speculations, discussions, thoughts, well-wishes. Lists. 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 Lots of lists. <laughs> no, it's a Christmas episode for me. I don't care how late this comes out. I, I actually read a Christmas comic. We have See, lists. Me of too. Lists. Lots of two. I, I was Boxing thinking, Phil, I'm like, I'm going to come through for Phil this time. Because it was easier than making a list, right? I have a list, too. Oh, it's almost gross. Boxing Day. It's a Boxing Day <laughs> tradition to have a list. Kevin's <laughs> pleasing everyone this time. People like lists. All right, kids. So, who wants to? Any big news we want to talk about? How do we want to start this momentous show? Well, if someone wanted to sponsor the show, I mean, technically, they could say that we'll take the sponsor now, and they'll say, "Hey, we'll pay you in six months," and we'll be like, "Well, that's the industry standard," so we'll be like, "That's cool." I would gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger (laughs) today. Well, how about we turn to our star host, Absence Make the Heart Go Fronder, Super Steve, and give us some mm-hmm. Super Steve. Uh, I oh, I got one that I think uh, Phil would probably like, based mm-hmm. on previous books I've mentioned along these lines. Is four issues from IDW with Glenn Fabry covers, which is kind of cool. Written by John Lehman, with art by Chris Mooneyham. It's Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read that, yeah. <laughs> this was great. It, Dredd's hunting a group of zealots that worship a terrorist robot messiah who's called Archbishop Emoji. And he, like, rides this futuristic, like, dirt bike that has no back wheel. So it's just all on the front wheel going forward. And his face is just like a a blank screen with different emojis that come up. And, like, when things go bad and it's little frowns, it's hilarious. It's, like, so um, Mr. Bill, like, the old Saturday Night Live. Like, you you see the little emotions change. Like, oh, (laughs) he's really funny. And he's always LOLing and ROFLing and... TBDing and uh, it, it he, he's great. So uh, Dread chases him into the Alabama morass, which is basically like the hundred year, not hundred year, hundred acre, like the old Pooh, big enchanted forest that's located somewhere south of Mega City One in the cursed Earth zone you know and in the middle of these woods there's a weird dr moreau type scientist so he's making all these human animal mammal hybrids there's the guy with the goat head and the guy with the deer head and all these like annie men you know and a predator lands in these woods to take out you know, to hunt these very unique creatures, but he crash landed and they get the jump on him and he's captured and them capturing the predator gave them access to his ship where he had his trophies. One of them being a skull of a xenomorph and the Dr. Moreau type is excited being a crazy geneticist to see all these weird skulls and he's like scraping off a little dna and wanting to recreate some of these creatures and uh including the xenomorph 
that, you know, of course doesn't go well. So you've got Dredd along with three judges, including Judge Anderson, always a favorite. This Archbishop emoji <laughs> that they're chasing. Dr. Moreau's team of Annie men. A squad of predators that come down looking for the missing predator. And xenomorphs, all like in this contained, wild, uh, jungle-type setting. A lot of fun. And only four issues. It gets, you know, they don't waste time. Gets right to it. The artist, Mooneyham, looks like he must be a, uh, maybe a Joe Kubert school graduate or a big fan of the Kuberts because he uses a lot of the tricks that you see their graduates using, whether it's, uh, you know, either the sons or, or Joe himself. Um, but the art was decent and the storytelling good. Fun. Top that. Yeah, I think the uh, the old stuff is pretty good too. The crossover with Judge Dredd and the aliens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he even references it. I know these oh, things. That's right, yeah. Boy, Judge Dredd. Uh oh, the A team's gonna be mad. We're stealing some of their bits. <laughs> wait till I get to my bit. Well, we don't have to wait any longer. Kevin, give it to us. Show All us right. Well, you know, uh, I had a journey through. Uh, 20,000 A.D., well, sort of, through the whole year. I mean, I didn't last the entire year. I mean, there was that lull in between um, where I lost sight of uh, of uh, that series. Dude, you fall, you fall behind, like, for a couple of weeks reading other stuff, and <laughs> all of a sudden there's, like, six of these things piled up. I, I know. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's like, whoa, you can't... Uh, yeah, you got to stay on top of that, and then oh, you look for like another good. entry point. It would work good if you lived overseas and that was like your only comics, right? Like you got it every week and you kept up with it, and it would be your comics, and that would be pretty good, actually. Oh, that's weekly, two thousand eighty. Yeah, which is pretty rare because, like, the market's not always kind to uh, anthologies. So yeah, I. I I mean that was a fun experiment. I mean I think I'll continue uh continue with it. I mean there's some uh I always joke that there's one thing I'm really not interested in and then there's other stuff in there that I'm that and, and there's usually something really good. So You know what my favorite bit was that I had never heard of before, even though it was a returning set of characters, was those intestinauts. And oh. they went, and that was a lot of fun. With it was very colorful, and it was like these little, um, like nanobot dudes in someone's in te- gastrol intestinal system, yeah. and fighting all these little things that are there. And <laughs> I thought, and they have a mission to complete to like get to the tower and fix the antenna or something. It was it was pretty cool. It was funny. And my favorite thing was something that wasn't connected to anything else, and it was was like basically its own thing like own universe on top of itself because i know recently it seemed like most of the books were like judge adjacent (laughs) like if it wasn't dread it was it was close to the same thing yeah but they had that weird like um wartime thing with the vampire and uh, they have had some like period piece things going on that were and I'm always confused by, yeah, it's like you're doing like America and everything, but I'm always confused by like, <laughs> by like, oh, it's um, Jefferson is off on his airplane or something. I'll be like, what? That's just strange. Yep, they're doing America again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? It's bad enough when the Canadians do America, Andrew. I mean, there really isn't any... In, an equivalent thing where one country is doing a, like another country for like a comic like that. It's just, it's so weird. Anyhow, it works. So I had to drag this out is the judge dread magazine. And it says a comic that's bad for your elf. And the, the cover is uh, judge <laughs> dread, um, destroying a bunch of, uh, Santa's helpers. 
that are all robotic. And it says Santa side? Claws out and Mega City One? What's funny is this is the lead story here is uh Al Ewing. But it also is in the Al Ewing Judge Dread Blaze of Glory collection. So it's so weird, like the one Judge Dread magazine that I happened to see on the newsstand before, like, I don't know how many years ago this was. But I was it also is collected in the collection. I'm like, I'm like, oh. I mean, I guess maybe it's I don't know if you would say famous, but they obviously thought something of it to uh Yeah, that's have, what I would have it think. reprinted, right? That's what I would think. They do so many stories with this constant schedule that uh, if something's getting reprinted and collected uh, and you're seeing it a few times, that's that's cool. Yeah. That, ca- so that like usually catches my Santa. eye. That Santa. <laughs> and, and the artist uh, Ben Wilshire. Do not know. Which is pretty common, I guess, in the 20,000 A.D. <laughs> I mean, just like, do not know these people. This will be interesting. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is in the, I would say, is a, is a traditional um, 20,000 A.D. Dread style. Like, I think there's sort of like how um, Vertigo or whatever had that sort of house style. Like, you can usually guess what some of these things are. are are going to be but what what's cool is like the trade paperbacks are bigger than like traditional like a north american comics and then the the magazine is even bigger than the trade paperback yeah i had that one magazine when i had that stack of dread books it was how, it was weird how they have all these different sort of publishing outlets for it there's the Archie Digest. There's the Archie. What's well, nice now with the internet, you can just look up and be like, "What the heck is this thing? And is it the yeah. same, or is it reprints, or is it you know?" You're trying to figure out what it is. So, as far as I can tell, this was an original story for Judge Red magazine because I think I got the idea that there was a lot of reprints and stuff in the magazine, but I guess not all the time. Maybe sometimes. I know they would also bag in like other graphic novels and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was never 100% sure with that. So, uh, me. <laughs> so should we Skype's go? Skype's acting a little funny. Okay. Well, should we, uh, Phil, that, was that Christmassy enough for you? Christmassy enough? I'm going to tell you, tell you about the Judge Dread pals, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like in, instead of like a power of gray skull they have like this little bit in here and it's like it's like by the power of justice so it's like i guess they encourage kids to be like be like into i guess it's like um friendly more friendly or dread like they write up a, like a cartoon of kids i'm your pal like, instead of Dread being on, like, the badge, it's, like, pal. So this kid's, like, super into uh, into the show. So it's, a, it's that whole bit where, bit where the, the kids get really into the judges and everything, and they start sending their parents away. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, well, you broke the law when you did this thing, so I'm better going to report you to on the, on the, on the pal line. And then you can get your parents arrested and sent to the isocubes. So basically, they're going to co-opt um, with with this pal thing. They're going to co-opt the idea of Santa and replace it with all like dread stuff and uh, judge stuff and you know that type of thing. Merchandise it up and everything. And then dreads like, ah, oh, this isn't going to go well. Like n- no plan survives the enemy. And then Santa shows up with his, like, robotic reindeer and everything. Mommy, Mommy, can I sit on Judge Dredd's lap and confess <laughs> my sins? <laughs> so, yeah, so and fight ensues, and then at some point they're like, well, 
was that the was that the real Santa? And he goes, no, probably just some nut. I, I'm pretty sure we have the real Santa in ISO cubes. <laughs> uh, speeding, serving time for speeding, breaking and entering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They bring that up, and they're like, if if anyone breaks and enter your, enters your uh, abode, uh, that that is not friendly activity. They're not leaving you a present. <laughs> Uh, that was entertaining. They also have an interview with Grant Morrison in here too, which I thought was kind of weird too. I mean, they have like other non-comic book stuff, like more than uh, twenty thousand AD does. Eh, never heard of him. Just an up-and-comer. All right. So um, now, Phil, was that Christmassy enough for you? <laughs> Uh, Santa Claus and Robot Reindeers, absolutely. All right. So you said you had a Christmas comic, Phil. I do. True? And by the way, I hate Christmas. But wow. For some reason, I like holiday comics now and then. But uh, I find these days they're not very good. Like they they tend to. It's been a long time since I really enjoyed one. So I had to go way back to 1988. Oh. And I I read uh, the Comico Christmas special. And uh, I'll say that this is probably the best Christmas special I've ever read. Every story. I didn't read the last one. The last one's drawn by Bill Willingham. I never got to it in time, but it looks great just, like, flipping through it. But, uh, yeah, these probably this is probably my favorite special I've ever read. And uh, the first story, basically it's a guy that he loves Christmas so much he just freezes himself over and over just and just wakes himself up for christmas and uh eventually he learns that by doing that he lost the magic of christmas because all his family you know died off over the years and stuff like that but uh by the end he ends up meeting a kid and then saying okay this year i'm gonna not freeze myself kind of thing but a really cool story another the next story is about a kid who finds out that santa claus is fake so he's all kind of bitter, and then uh, Santa Claus ends up going to his house, and he ends up pulling a gun on Santa Claus, and you end up finding that all the different Santa Clauses, like the ones asking for money, and kids are sitting on their lap, it's all the same Santa Claus. It's just he spreads himself apart. That way he can deliver presents kind of thing. Ew. And then, and, uh, the, and then the third one is basically the war on Christmas, where it's like an underground revolution of people trying to keep Christmas alive where if you mention the word Christmas in the real world, like you'll get arrested right away kind of thing. But uh, yeah, all beautiful art, beautiful, beautiful stories. And uh, Dave Stevens does the cover. Uh, I feel like Douglas, Douglas Wheeler, is he a famous writer for comics? I I feel like I recognize that name, but he's one of the writers. He writes, uh, he writes all of them, I think, actually. Yeah, he writes all of them. But you got uh, Tim Sale does the art in one of them. And uh, I really like William Ham's art. It's it's too bad he stopped drawing, because I don't think he draws anything anymore, right? Eh? Just uh, chair- that, uh, whenever I see it, it's usually something for charity, like some kind of okay. heroes initiative type he'll do. I think his mm-hmm. thing was also... Um, and this is going back in my memory a long time ago, but I thought mm-hmm. he said he was pretty slow, and that was because okay. he felt that he just was. Because uh, it's nice detailed art, and uh, yeah, I find like whenever I see his old stuff, I always really like it. And then uh, just to throw in here too, I uh, I've picked up a lot of like horror coffee books type things lately. Oh, cool. And uh, two I picked up that are really cool, high recommend, is um, one's published by Dark Horse. It's called Untold Horror, and basically it's uh, horror movies that never got made. Uh, like, uh, the, the main reason I got it is because there's a big section on Worst Case Scenario, which was uh, a movie that never ended up coming out. But there's these two amazing teasers out there. That uh, came out before YouTube was the thing. So you remember, you used to have to go to like Apple Movies to watch trailers. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, just a, a beautiful, beautiful book of like 
re- reanimator sequels that never happened, uh, things like that. And then the other one is Underexposed, which is 50 of the greatest movies never read or never made. And this one's even cooler, like a, a Plastic Man movie by uh, the people who made The Matrix there. Oh, right. Uh, Vampirella movie, like just all kinds of just just amazing, amazing movies, like uh, a lot I never even knew of. Uh, what's another one here? There were, oh, yeah, Batman versus Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be one. Uh, three Daredevil movies that never came out. Did you guys I know? I assume you're those? talking about the Golden Age Daredevil. Uh, yeah. uh, hold on, they have the years. <laughs> but yeah, there, it was like a trilogy of Daredevil movies, um, or, or they tried to make it three times. I haven't read that part yet. Uh, where is it? Well, you think Batman versus Godzilla would clean up nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it didn't have stuff like. Uh, Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Like, I kind of wish that was there. There was the Justice yeah. League Mortal movie by the guy who did Mad Max, George Miller. Yeah. That sounded pretty cool, that one. But, uh, yeah, this this book is so cool. It's highly, uh, It's a lot of fun. It's uh, I don't think it was that expensive. Maybe, uh, I think I paid 30 for it or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying these, like, uh, some of these hardcover. Like, you guys get them a lot. And I just started getting into them a bit more now since I got that one, you know, with all the horror comic, all the horror movie comics. Remember that hardcover yeah, one I got? Yeah. Yeah. So now I've been picking up a lot of them. Nice. But it, it gets expensive because some of them are quite a bit. But uh, but when they're well made, it's it's nice having. Yeah, it's like having part of the internet printed out on paper. Mm-hmm. And I also got How to Survive a Garden Gnome Attack, just in case. Nice. That's for like 10 bucks on Amazon. Good. Glad it's on Amazon. That'll save mm-hmm. future Andy's wildly Googling to find these things. Uh-huh. Put in the show. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps me up. I'll edit that out. Exactly. The lore behind the peek behind the curtain. Between the warring co-hosts. Well, sadly, I have not been going to the comic shop as much as I should. But if you're following the drama at home, I did pick up the third issue of Night of the Ghoul. So that's I will be able to finish that one. Uh, All three came out. I also, Bill, it was only the only one on the shelf when I was there. Mm -hmm. I grabbed another one of those Opus comics. That was the one that had the bands and everything. Oh, yes, we yes, yes. About. Yep. This was mm-hmm. um, uh, number one. It was a Frank Frazetta Dawn attack. Okay. So what, they, what I'm guessing these series are is it's based on like one Frank Frazetta image. And this, it's like a, a lady Flash Gordon in the metal bikini mm-hmm. with the um, Viking kind of hat and well, like a laser pistol. They've done pistol. that before. Yeah. They've done that before. I think it was Image that did it. And a robot really? troopers, and then they get a couple of other people to do covers. In this instance, mm-hmm. um, Dan Panosian and Dave Dorman. And then I got the Santi Cassis one. And so it's this, they bring this character to life, and it's uh, Jody Hauser, Eric Campbell, Diego Yapur, and then insert, there's like a flashback of a few pages done by Dan McDade. And uh, yeah, so I picked it up. It, this one is only four ninety nine as opposed to the six dollars and sixty six cent price point. Well but that means same, in Canada it'll only be twenty five. <laughs> same thing with like no ads in it. Now it does have the cover gallery, which I'm glad for. Now it's the story of this woman and it like I said, it's that weird Flash Gordon aesthetic where they have swords and laser pistols at the same time and sort of monsters and that kind of 1910 1920s sci-fi look like i said metal bikini and all that the story it's always strange because they're always at a bit of a loss because you're taking this like frank frazetta painting that he probably spent i don't know a month on or whatever and then you gotta bang out an entire comic book sort of evoking that image and telling the story behind it and everything so 
it seems almost unfair to be like, well, that doesn't look like the painting. Well, of course, they don't, you know, they're not going to take, you know, four years to make the comic book. I mean, it's that, a fun. It's a it's a fun version of what we all did with Frazetta's paintings, though, as a yeah. kid, right? Some of them are so iconic. I had, I think, four different Frazetta posters that were like a nice uh, paper, like poster that had actually had some tooth to it, um, like watercolor paper almost uh, posters. And you sit there and you look at them and you you know you think of these things they really are just one off images which is so cool in its own right but on the other hand they're so evocative of something more so as like Phil said different companies have done it at different times there's these Frazetta comics where all of a sudden yeah. you know you're going to get death dealer stories and you know what I mean and all the different paintings uh, come to life you know so I enjoyed it. The only name I was familiar with was Jody Hauser has written a bunch of licensed book, done some Marvel work, that sort of thing. I liked it. I just want to have that preface of it's always a little weird because you can't go in expecting to... It's never going to look like Frazetta because that's not really mm-hmm. the point of it. So but you that, did say metal bikinis, didn't you? Yeah, so oh, the right. character looks like it, but not like <laughs> as if done by... Yeah, metal bikini. Um, you know, which always seems super practical in the fighting scene. But I did... What was interesting, I guess, is that they've decided to add the sword element. Because if you look at the Frazetta thing, there's no swords. Like, all the robots have laser guns. She has a laser gun. Spaceships. So I feel like they've added the sword element, uh, which for me, like I said, brings me back to that time period. Because you're thinking, really, if I got a laser pistol, I'm probably not using my sword as much as I use. Yeah, but you got to add in that Errol Flynn, you know? (laughs) It was a fun, you know, like she, we follow her story as she, look, you're getting this thing because you think Frank Frazetta's cool and women with metal bikinis in space with lasers and swords is cool. But, Maybe you listen to Wolf Mother too. Yeah, I do. There is the Death Dealer ones as well. Uh, I mainly got this one because it was on the shelf, and I wanted to get more of these Opus books. Mm-hmm. You want to know what? I'll keep getting them. I like them. They're a little bit pricey, but like I said, no ads. Good quality paper. You know, feels yeah. like a lot of pages to it. I don't count them or anything, and they're fun books. Like my uh, comic book guy said, they're still, you know, they're putting out books. They're not. You know, some of these companies show up and go away. I guess they're still around. I mean, we'll see how long any of these things last. But as long as they're there, I figure I'd keep buying some and trying them out. And this was the one on the shelf. Yeah, I wish they were a little cheaper on their website. We can get some. Yeah, or staffed in the store. I mean, I'm I'm not going to, like, pick them up elsewhere. This is strictly, like, I see them in the store. I'm going to buy Mm -hmm. them. But I'm not going to run them down in any kind of... Yeah, even with a booming industry, you still have shaky companies. Well, I mean, I don't knock any. Like, it's hard to make a hustle. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about another shaky new company that I have a couple of books for, but I don't want to hog the mic, so let's slide back to Super Steve. All right, I got uh, an image book that uh, is eight or nine issues out, I think, of this title, I've read the first five. Not sure if I'm going to keep reading it or not, but it's not. It's not a bad book. It's 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 well crafted. Uh, just not sure if I want to keep uh, going further along for the ride. Written by Ryan Parrott, with art by Abel, and it's Ryan Parrott's first book. He was an artist who realized he wasn't going to be an artist and he's had this idea for this character and this story bouncing around since he was uh, a youth and so it's gone through modifications and had a long time to development and it's certainly a solid story that has some pretty strong storytelling elements in it that make it seem like he's not a first-timer because 
this is probably his, you know, 30th time writing, re- rewriting this story, right? <laughs> uh, and the book is called Rogue Son. Uh, and it's very 70s Nova. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's like a... Not good for Kevin. <laughs> and it's, yeah, you're not selling me on that one. No, it, it's it's a teen who is not really the best kid. And he gets a costume with powers and has to figure it all out, you know, Wait, but super Steve, are you telling me this is part of the massive universe? Is it? It sounds like it. Is it connected to, uh, like the radiant things and all that? That sounds like it. <laughs> One of the emerging, um, image comics shared superhero universes. All right. Sounds like it then. That that so yes. I'll 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 think that that's accurate. This kid uh, is unique in, or at least differs from the Nova bit, in that he lives with his mom, who's divorced. Like since he was a baby, he's never known his father, and he gets news that his father died, and he and his mother go off to hear the will being read. He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want anything to do with this person. He never knew anything about. And in the will, it's revealed that, like, he meets the his father's, like, second family, and they all have their personalities and everything. And they seem like they all want something out of this will. And he's the one who inherits the Sunstone. Yes, his father was the rogue son, a superhero. And he died uh, not in a car crash, but in a superhero adventure. And um, he, the son he never knew is the one who's getting the stone, not the son he did know, creating some resentment and all that business. There's a lot of inner family workings. This writer must have had a heck of a, a family life because there's all kinds of um, betrayals and lies and secrets and revelations and uh, um people joining together and uh, trying to make an alignment. Uh, it's, there's a lot going on, but he inherits the sunstone. And well, after you're getting used to like, okay, he's going to have to figure out how to be this superhero. Um, then his father appears to him like, you know, like the helmet, like Nova's helmet talking to him or whatever. And the father is, like, um, conscious within the suit as the previous wearer of it. And he's, like, the guide and can talk to the son and everything. But the son doesn't know this father and doesn't want anything to do with him. So there's animosity there that makes for, uh, you know, friction and more character moments. The father wants him to figure out who killed him because he thinks it was someone close to him, possibly even one of his own family, his second family. And if uh, he tells, you know, if he helps him figure out who killed him, then he'll leave him alone forever, which is all this uh, kid wants is to have the power, but not have to deal with the father talking in his ear. And there's a lot more, even in the first five issues and a big reveal that I don't want to spoil. Um, it's pretty heavy, but uh, I, I'm not sure I want to keep doing it as I'm trying to cut down on the number of uh, extraneous series I'm reading. So did you continue with the Radiant series? Uh, I have them in a stack, but I haven't okay. read them, but I'm going to check it out. Yeah, funny enough, I'm in the same situation. <laughs> yeah, this this kind of seemed like that. So, like, I was like, yeah, I'm already reading that kind of book. Like, with that, I don't really need another one. Not that there's anything wrong with this book. It's drawn yeah. well. It's written well. It's interesting. But, um, yeah, nah. You might like it, though. I mean, it's possible. Which is why I bring it to your attention. <laughs> I wanted to tease uh, a read for next year rather than um, 
Wait, you're covering stuff in 2024 already, Kevin? Yes. Yes, Andrew. <laughs> That's. I mean, there'll be some 18 episodes filled in between this one. I know you're saying it's a year end, but it's actually a year 2023 year end. <laughs> you might be correct on my editing schedule. But... And what a year it's been, folks, let me tell you. <laughs> you know, when COVID-20 came out, whew, that, that was a humdinger. Well, what's your tease, Kevin? Um, I don't know if you remember, but I, I, I picked up Magical Beatdown 1 and 2 at TCAF before. I do not remember it, but I'm sure there's some show notes somewhere of me <laughs> finding copies from somebody. It was a aristograph type of comic because that's that's really the hotness. Um, I feel like you never talked about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was a silver a sprocket joint, um, and it's I, I happened to notice that the third one was in previews. And I guess it counts. I mean, I would count this as a comic, but I guess you could also count it as a graphic novel. So, yeah, I got number three. Nice. Do you have it in your hot little hands, or you mean... I do, I do. Oh, wow. Look at you, Mr. Fancy. I'm going to say it's bigger than the other two, but I haven't checked it out. I haven't measured it, so... I'm also hoping um, by 2024 we'll have seen the final uh, Attack on Titan season. Really, the final season. Uh, Phil told me it peaked with the live-action movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, both of them were awesome. Both? They made two? Yeah. That's wild. I'm the only person that likes them. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, I mean, I'm sure some some people that went to see it liked it. They just didn't feel obligated, you know. All right, Phil, you got anything for us? Uh, no, that was it for me. All right, I'm going. It wouldn't be an episode of Indie Comic Noise if I didn't point out it's finally happened, kids. Uh, going to be a interesting time at the IDW factory because. A lot of licenses are ending, including their G.I. Joe one. I picked up issue 300 and finally sat down and read the thing. Lots of fun. This is the, uh, uh, lots of different covers, as you can guess. Um, Larry Hama, S.L. Gallant, uh, Maria Keen, Jay Brown. And this has been building up, and it's a resurrected Genghis Khan from Dr. Mind, but just every kind of wow. G.I. Joe trope, another Snake Eyes um, created via the cloning and the mind uh, probe that Dr. Mindbender invented. What? Or maybe that I was feel Dr. like Brown. Tom Scholey should be involved here. Yeah, it's really full-on G.I. Joe madness. And then the best part is it has somewhat of an ending, but lots of cliffhangery stuff with a to-be-continued question mark exclamation at the end of it meaning you know now it's been spoiled that the license is moving on but it was just fun that it's sort of a satisfying but i like that it's very very open-ended cobra had their casino the joes (laughs) were infiltrating and attacking revanche is involved like ninjas every type of bat and the revanche advanced ninjas and alley vipers and like i said multiple snake eyes and yeah everything you want if you enjoyed the gi joe comic the back includes all the a lot of crazy covers like i said i'm sure there were ten thousand covers that came out i don't blame well i remember there was one cover that had like 300 characters on it yeah i don't have that one unfortunately they the other thing is a weird psa promo the american college of surgeons and hasbro teamed up with stop the bleed it's a marketing campaign to teach people how to handle uh blood loss injuries with like tourniquets and applying pressure and all this stuff (laughs) so it's like the old cart you know the note they used to do those that so that was like a weird way to end it but i wanted to kind of bookmark that with like idw you know i i think gi joe it wasn't like it sold a million but it was a steady book and the Transformers, I think, might have been more popular. Like, it just, I think so. 
hard for them, I think. I mean, not that they don't have light. They got Sonic, I think, still. They do have some licenses going forward. But Where do you think G.I. Joe's going to go next? Or do you think it's done for a while? Uh, they have, they've, uh, it's been leaked that uh, Kirkman's uh, image imprint, what is that, Skybound? Oh, okay. I just think the Transformers is going to be hard to follow up on, but the G.I. Joe should be easier. What I'm curious is if they're going to do, at one point, IDW was just peppering the stands with a lot of different takes, which I think, uh, you know, if they sell is all the better. So I wonder if that's going to be seen. I just feel like that's a lot of their, you know, they had those, do you you guys know, are they still doing those Marvel books and the Star Wars ones or? I don't know. I haven't seen them in the solicits recently. But they moved... I, I mean, Diamond must have got uh, upset because of all the uh, crazy shakeups in in the market and distribution. So IDW is like stuck in the back, and then yeah, well, or I should say the middle. It's not really the back anymore. They don't have their it's own section. It used to be the back of the catalog, which is sort of like the middle of the catalog now. And like half of the stuff things say cover to be revealed or whatever. Yep. Yeah, I just, and like I said, a lot of it is because, as people know, a lot of my view of the industry comes from going to the comic book store or stores, and I haven't been going as much lately. But I always felt that, like, IDW always had a few books every week. It felt like they had some some stuff out. I mean, maybe that wasn't true, but I always felt like, oh, you could see some type of, and I'll be honest, like, it, it was a lot of, license books but that never really bothered me any you know i read plenty of them i don't read i don't know license books like most companies once they go to licensee i find they tend to fall you know well that's what really saves like dark horse like they have all the manga stuff that sells way more than their comics do but they still do the the new stuff too though where like idw only does license stuff pretty much you know I think they started up a bunch of uh, creator things like Scott Snyder had that book. Like they have a bunch of creator books that they sort of um, wanted to put out there. And I know they've got, like I said, the Sonic. I'm pretty sure they still got Star Trek. And I think that yeah, yeah, this is a comic fan. I was actually going to read that Star Trek number one for this show that I forgot about, but it's yeah, they have like 400 issues of Star Trek. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, the math might be a little weird there, but, you know. I don't know. I miss old IDW. Yeah, I used know. to have a lot of fun original miniseries and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, for me, it's just I, I just don't see as much with their little logo on it, so I don't know if I'm, like I said, but not going to the store as much as I should be, so it's bad. And also, if you're following up, I did pick up two and three of Dark Ride, so I am continuing with that series. I don't mm-hmm. remember, did I cover the number one or not? Yeah, you did. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm still picking those up. Yeah. I'm still getting the turtles. Good. All right, Super Steve, is there anything else you want to leave us for our Yeah, final? give us one more, because just in case you're not here again for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you a quick one. Uh, it's AWA Upshot. Absolution five-issue miniseries mm-hmm. by Peter Milligan with art by Mike Diodato. And I think this is his third or possibly fourth miniseries that he's done with them. There was the the Robot Revolution one that was very interesting, and then there was the one with the like Midwestern used car lot rivalry that assassination murder thing that was kind of fun. And now this Absolution one, all very different type of stories. This one has an like an enhanced female commando assassin type having her activities and her hits followed on social media and she gets like percentage points for the quality of her kills, like if she the decisions she makes and stuff. And she's earning absolution for her crimes or whatever. And there's cutaways to like a 
um, like a reality show that follows her adventures and like there's two hosts that over the course of the series you kind of get to know them and how they like what side they're presenting from so so to speak and they're talking about the things that she's doing and whether she's maximizing her opportunities to get the best scores from the things she's doing and i mean you get a better i mean this is the internet right so it's like the even though it's the future you're getting a better score by being more brutal <laughs> those kinds of things so it's it, pretty entertaining it's in that photorealistic mike diodato style that he's been using the last decade or so yeah if uh long time listeners um i talked about issue one in episode 510 way back in uh september so if i remember correct i thought i thought the internet stuff didn't wear that great with me which is why i probably didn't continue like sometimes I feel that kind of like we're having a a thing about the internet. Like meta commentary isn't always my jam, but it sounds like Super Steve that you were powered through it and enjoyed the other elements or do you like that stuff? Well, you know the formula that works for me a lot of the time is keep the characters to a minimum and keep, you know, if you give me a uh, a, a really good artist and some sort of protagonist that has to get from point A to point B. And that's kind of the, uh, the, the ride that's pretty easy to follow. And, and, uh, so for me, it was pretty easy to stick with. I like Diodato's art. So just seeing this commando chick going on a couple of missions and it's just, you know, again, getting from point A to point B, I gotta get up to that penthouse apartment and make this kill, but there's guards, you know what I mean? Like I can, I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> it's, I don't have. There's no world building that I have to, you know, go through and figure out the politics of what's happening or whatever. And, and then there, you know, there's this cutaway to these people on this show talking. But um, you kind of get used to it. And I admit to not reading every word they said. <laughs> Maybe that was the key. Yeah, I, I liked those elements. I just. Sometimes I feel like that, oh, we're making comments about the world is a little too banging me over the head with it, but... Uh, I mean, ever since Dark Knight Returns, right? I yeah. mean, that, that, the, <laughs> the doing it since Miller. All right, excellent. excellent. Uh, Kevin, do you have anything you want to... You always have, like, eight books that you're like, but I need to talk about these. No, I actually don't have eight books this time. Because I had my list instead, Andrew. All right, give us the list. I was just, like, I've already covered some of the stuff. It was just basically a rundown of some uh, exciting things from the year. Like, last episode, I covered that Ito book. That's definitely going on my best of exciting things I read this year. Uh, Bloodshot Unleashed. That was pretty exciting. When he got kicked... And, like, his legs were still there, and his body went flying off into the sky. Yeah, I liked that one, too. (laughs) Uh, Faster by uh, Jesse Lonergan uh, was was probably up there as one of my favorite indies. I mean, I'm picking that up at the Beguiling. That was another thing. I went to some cons this year. I mean, Andrew, your goal is to hit one con next year, right? (laughs) I think I hit about one or two this year, but yeah, I'd like to start <laughs> getting into going back to more shows. Yes. Um, the aftershock thing was kind of sad, even though, I mean, I don't buy a lot of their books. I mean, and they're not really publishing stuff that I want to read. Um, the Valiant situation also sad. I mean, they put out a limited amount of issues. I mean, I still enjoyed. Dad, Kevin, get over it. I mean, I still enjoyed the, the like the things I read that were good. Like the the book Shadows is kind of iffy, <laughs> but I mean the other stuff w- was good. So I mean, we we did the episode five hundred. Yeah, that was a big deal. I'm glad yes. we had that. I, I like that. And then we got the A-Team that you really like? Yeah, That you're trying to convince to do another episode? Wait, you said you were going to do one a month. (laughs) I haven't seen the contract yet. I feel like we saw a return of some publishers, too. Like Steve was saw AWA Upshot. I feel like... 
Uh, a lot of new publishers. A lot popped of new up. publishers too. I felt like going to the store. This, I just mentioned that one, the Opus or whatever. It just felt yeah. like there, like there was some more action coming back to the industry. Yeah. I have one for uh, next week where it's uh, a comic that left Comicsology, I guess, because all the stuff that went on. So they started oh. their own. I company? think some places were forced to leave Comicsology. I mean, that's... Well, maybe that's what it is. I don't know the story. Yeah, I just know you bitch about it a lot. I mean, it was pretty cool to see that. And I know that, like, Kevin, I don't know how you can have a list without your favorite place, uh, Substack, not being on it. <laughs> like, that was your jam forever. So I mean, there were a lot of free comics they put out on uh, Substack. That was cool. Yeah. So. I mean, some of the and some of those deals, it's been so long now. Some of those things have expired, like whatever that was their thing was, like some of them have completed. And like people, like I guess if you had, were, had a yearly subscription, then like you would you'd be booked in for another year and you'd be like, oh, but you're the creator or whoever you were following. It's, it's like it sort of ended and I guess they just auto renewed you. It's sort of like what it would have happened to me with with Scribd. It's like if I would have locked into that deal instead of just buying the monthly things, like I could have been locked in for another year and I would have been like, what am I going to do now? The comics are gone. Yeah, it's a like I feel and for the show, not only 500, but, you know, we talked a lot about different adaptations that came out. That seems like it's still going pretty strong. Yeah, just the A team, but manga coverage has expanded on the show in general phil's been giving us a lot of 80s love in addition to his normal horror stuff i feel like we've had pretty good you know the show has had a pretty good year put out a good number of episodes you know we always have our weird little hiatuses here and there when life catches up this year we didn't yeah we did we it's an irregular schedule. Like there's five episodes in October, but like September or some month had like one episode. But I mean, think it think it averages out anyhow. Yeah, yeah, so, it, it yeah. works. You know, I I think our listeners have some patience for us. They must at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I always try to cover some mini comics. Like I might be doing some manga or or um, I don't know some image comic or whatever, but. I think I, I I bring a lot of uh, weird limited run uh, printed oh, yeah, yeah. from you your basement type of stuff. If you were worried that you're too mainstream, Kevin, <laughs> the guy Googling the books you bring up, you don't. All right, so I'm going to end this episode with talk about another brand new publisher, sort of in the Super Steve vein. I didn't actually read any of these books. I just looked at them. It's the Frank Miller Presents line. <laughs> oh, Wow. I noticed. This I, on... I heard someone was was trying to tell me that some of these, every one of those books is hot, 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 and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. So these have like, this is the company is literally Frank Miller presents uh, Dan DiDio. Fresh, those of you familiar with DC Comics may remember that name. I love Dan DiDio. He, uh, they're doing these kind of like bigger, you know, slick covers, no ads, full color floppy so i saw this one pandora on the on the uh shelves and that's uh let me get to the credit page i know it's uh is that the kids book this is created by frank miller emma kubert frank miller anthony maraville chris silvestri okay so i was like oh this looks cool my comic shop guy was like oh they have the ronin one too and i was like well throw that one on the on the hopper you know i'm (laughs) curious what's going on and so let me give you the credits for that one. Frank Miller, you know, Ronin. I remember the uh, that one had this crazy gatefold back before that was super popular. He was he had kind of been leveraging the back and forth and the Dark Knight success and Marvel against yeah. DC. But it's Frank Miller and then art by Philip Tan, Daniel Henriques, letters by John Workman. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty awesome. So Yeah. Um, yeah, that one looks pretty nice. I don't I don't read either of these. I find Frank Miller's comics nowadays not really good for reading, but they're awesome <laughs> to look at. He understands uh, image-based storytelling. And if I had my druthers, although I would miss John Workman's excellent work, 
yeah, I, I, did, I just don't have any interest in reading it. I just want to look at them and take <laughs> the story without the word balloons in both instances. And I wish I remembered what Emma Kubert book we reviewed, but we've done that one too. So yeah, it's a weird thing. I'm just like, I'm just going to take these in. Frank Miller knows how to tell a story. He's picking quality artists like they're nice packages. Uh, you don't need to read comics, folks. You can just look at them and enjoy them. They I mean, had, maybe they're great. I don't know. Maybe I will. They read had them some someday. weird slogan though. Andrew it was like, you know, aftershock. Shock was like read dangerously. Like Frank Miller presents was something like making comics safe for for readers or some weird. And I was like, what? Is, what is this? Or making comics unsafe? I don't remember what it was. It was just like I was like, what's this mean? Oh yeah, like I said, uh, when I was buying it, I'm like. Oh, there is no way in heck I'm reading these things. <laughs> I just want to take them in, you know, make my own story, enjoy these great artwork, the great storytelling. I mean, come on, the black and white Ronin sequel. Yeah. He's got nothing he can tell me, but he's got plenty he can show me. Like, that's the advantage of these things. Like, not to get back to our hackneyed writer versus artist thing, but man, oh boy. I will always take a beautiful book that's just nonsense over some well-written thing that's uh, where the art is incomprehensible. Um, Absolution from AWA Upshot. <laughs> Mike Deodato Art? Yeah. I mean, ideally, I'd At like... At your comic shop today. I'd like to get, you know, a little bit of both, but I had to... Gr- and I just feel like, what a nice package, too. As I you didn't get ancient enemies. The... You know, no ads, the thing. And like I said, Frank Miller, his panel composition and layouts and everything, he knows what he's doing. He's pretty good at comic books. I think he's going to go far. I just, and I'm also curious, like, how long before this fucking thing flames out? (laughs) This totally has... uh, uh, Well, the question is, will it last longer than I did on the spawn train? (laughs) Or... uh, I really don't you know the, like the or maybe I don't want to know the background details of the launching of their company. Well, just a lot, like anytime these one person things happen, like yeah. it's a lot, especially. So if Frank decides to do a movie or something, is he just gonna, or is he gonna Kirkman this where he just shovels it off to other people? Like, I don't know. I, that could be another way to keep it going. I mean, maybe he'll just do a Frank Miller Presents. But that's the—that's uh, what he's already doing. Yeah, but he's he's providing more than than just signing his name. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like Willie Kirkman it and just shuffle it to other people. I was thinking of like a Stan Lee Presents. Oh, oh, you were talking about real. Well, that's what Kirkman does, right? <laughs> Writes an issue or two and then I'm out. I mean, as long as he pres- brings some interesting people into the fold, I mean... Hey, I like the Q-Berts, I like Tan, I li- like I said, part of it was, you know, if it was uh, Frank Miller Presents written and drawn by Andy, I'm not buying this dumb thing, you know? Like, bring the skill. And Dio must have good relationships with some of the top yeah. talent, so it's yeah. not like they're fishing for people who can't get a gig. Like, you get premier names like that piques my interest, anyways. And it's a new I don't think it's any like worse guys. than like whatnot comics being like, "Hey, we got Wesley Snipes to write a comic," and you're like, "How much is he writing it?" Whatnot comic? I can't believe. You. <laughs> I mean, that's a new publisher. Oh, good guy. Yeah, along with eBay and Comic Link, and uh, when have uh, the Places that sell the stuff decided their best way is to make it as well. Oh, and for me personally, I got to say, this is the year I discovered so many different auction houses that specialize in this stuff. Oh, yeah. I can think about like five or six that I did not know handled comic book, comic book art, that sort of stuff. I feel like it's really... Dude, I must. Be, I don't know if they've always handled it and I just didn't know about them or what, but seems I like once a month... I think some of them you didn't know. Yeah, some I didn't, but I'm finding these auction houses that are handling 
pretty substantial lots. I'm like, well, I didn't know they did comics. Uh, and I, because I told you guys I bid on some of those Ditko-owned comics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a house I'd never, uh, never heard of before. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to my host for joining us. Yay. Are you still using your old catchphrase? That you uh, noise that? out. No, you're supposed to say stop making noise, I thought. Get noisy. No, we're at the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, noise out. Oh. <laughs> but oh. if it's New Year's, then it's get the noise makers. Exactly. Are we still doing... Remember that year, Andrew, we did a a New Year's Eve episode? Is that still the plan? Can you pull that off? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull that off when you have our next A-Team episode ready to go. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Steve? Later. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now we know it's over. <laughs>